Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. After years of work, the legislature now has new public school content standards and a full day kindergarten proposal. But will the House and Senate find common ground? I'm Melissa Davlin. Idaho Reports starts now. Hello and welcome to Idaho Reports. This week, Representative Judy Boyle, Representative John McCrosty, and Senator Jim Woodward joined me to discuss full-day kindergarten, content standards, and other education issues. But first, it's been a busy week, both in Idaho and D.C. On Wednesday, Senator Jim Risch, ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, discussed his efforts to impose increased sanctions on Russia in response to the country's invasion of Ukraine. I applaud the sanctions the president has put in place. These are indeed good steps. Uh, but the sanctions have not deterred Putin's military. And we believe we must do more. We must sanction all of Russia's banks and appropriate industries and include secondary sanctions. With Nord Stream 2 shut down, we now must help end Europe's uh, dependence on Russian oil and gas for good. The president should rescind his executive order from last year that shut down oil and gas production in the United States uh, to a large degree, and then we can help Europe. We support the weapons and other assistance that the president has, has provided to the Ukrainian military, and I have immediately, as ranking member of Foreign Relations Committee, signed off on every request to send rep uh, weapons immediately when it was presented. Putin is showing he will not be deterred without more action by the West. It is time we drop the hammer and completely shut down the economy in Russia and that we uh, do more to assist the Ukrainian defenses. The other side has complained that Republicans are being partisan. That could not be further from the truth. Let me be clear here. When it comes to the bottom line, when it comes to the objective of what we're trying to do here, Republicans and Democrats are united. The Idaho legislature is also showing its support for Ukraine with one proposal to instruct the state's retirement system, Percy, to divest any Russian assets. That bill is scheduled for a committee hearing on March 7th. On Thursday, Governor Brad Little announced a new initiative to combat fentanyl trafficking in Idaho. Operation Esto Perpetua will consist of a law enforcement panel and a citizens group which will hold regional meetings throughout the state. The citizens action group will meet regularly throughout the state over the next couple months. They will hear from local law enforcement and members of the public about their experiences with fentanyl and meth. The Citizens Action Group will take input and comments from the public at each stop and I encourage Idahoans to take the time to share their perspectives when the group comes to your region in your state, in the state. After they complete their work, the Citizens Action Group will provide a report with their recommendations and the law enforcement panel will identify action items to make our communities safer. Governor Little said he anticipated the group's recommendations would include both short-term and long-term action items and that his office is requesting $250,000 for the initiative.
In legislative news, House State Affairs passed two high-profile election bills this week, one which would prohibit the use of absentee ballot drop boxes and the other which would disallow signed affidavits for same-day voter registration. The second bill would also ban the use of student ID cards as a valid form of ID for voter registration and would allow the Idaho Transportation Department to issue free IDs for those who don't have driver's licenses. If passed into law, both bills would go into effect before this year's May primary. This legislation would prohibit the use of drop-off boxes or similar drop-off locations to collect absentee ballots. You know, when we identify, we, we encourage voter turnout. We want people to vote as much as possible. But we also need secure and fair elections. And so there's definitely a cost-benefit analysis when you look at the use of um, drop-off locations. And that's where this legislation um, identifies that I think that there's a higher um, benefit to not having these. Our ballot drop boxes are widely used. They are very secure. And I think that if we're trying to solve a security issue, we should be looking at the security issue, not just banning drop boxes um, generally the way that this legislation does. And I think that that would be a wonderful thing to see and debate. We will keep in same day registration. And uh, under same day registration, this is where we go through the requirements under 34408 for uh, identification purposes. You need to show identification, which includes an Idaho driver's license, an Idaho identification card, a current US passport, current active U US military identification, or a current tribal identification. Provisional ballots I have removed, although I like them much better than an affidavit, but you know what? We're gonna remove the affidavit as well. There is no point to have and keep to carrying on with an election on election day. You provide the, uh, the uh, residency and the identification and citizenship for a first time voter, and if not, you just don't vote. So that's uh, in there to remove affidavits. Those bills now go before the full House. Of note, Representative Dorothy Moon is sponsoring the voter ID bill. On Friday, Senator Mary Sousa introduced similar legislation in Senate state affairs. Both are running to be the Republican candidate for Secretary of State. On Thursday, the Senate passed legislation modeled after Texas abortion laws. The bill would allow family members of a fetus to sue abortion providers for damages if they provide an unlawful abortion. Under the bill, an unlawful abortion would mean after a fetal heartbeat can be detected by a physician, which is typically around six weeks of pregnancy. The father, married or not, as a partner, even if it's a one night stand, grandparents, siblings, aunts and uncles, interestingly, not parents, are allowed to criminalize the, um, the doctor even if it's an attempt. There's no dis definition of attempt. They had a discussion about it. They there was even a consideration, but the action didn't happen. And yet each family member can, do, can criminalize the doctor up to four years after. Victims of most other horrible evils of our day are not entirely defenseless, as are the unborn. Victims of human trafficking, or of abuse, or of kidnapping, may have the opportunity for escape or for recovery, not the unborn. I am adopted. 
And if it was not for my mother's decision not to have an abortion, I would not be here. And we are here today as a body to be that voice, to be the voice of those that cannot speak. The bill passed in a 28 to 6 vote and now heads to the House of Representatives. On Friday, Senator Jim Rice introduced a bill that would raise the sales tax but would significantly lower property taxes for many Idahoans. The bill would remove property taxes for some primary residences, except for local bonds and levies, and instead would increase the sales tax to 7.85%. What the bill would do is remove all of the property tax off a person's primary residence except bonds and school levies. So your city, county, highway district, uh, et cetera, will be no longer taxing people's primary residence. The other thing it does is it raises the grocery credit to $175 per person. Uh, to do that, it does, it, we raised the sales tax by 1.85% and we use general funds in the amount of 12.16 million. So it's a net tax cut of 12.16 million, but its real value is in what it does for homeowners. Sales tax increase is used for two things. 1.65% is dedicated to the local taxing districts to replace what's taking, taken out of their budgets by removing that property tax. Beauty of this is you're taking a narrow tax and you're replacing it with the broadest possible tax. So people that don't live in the state of Idaho that come visit in our state, vacation here, drive through, will help pay for the services that they get the benefit of in our state. The House Revenue and Taxation Committee introduced the bill for a possible public hearing at a later date. This legislative session has been huge for education, with bills on health insurance for teachers and grants for parents already winning the governor's signature. But two major proposals on content standards and full-day kindergarten are still pending, not to mention the massive appropriations for public education and higher ed. On Friday, I spoke to three key players in the legislature's education policy discussions, Representative Judy Boyle and Representative John McCrosty, who sit on the House Education Committee, and and Senator Jim Woodward, who serves on both the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee and Senate Education. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Senator Woodward, can you give us an update on where we are in full-day kindergarten? The full-day kindergarten, uh, there's consensus surrounding a couple of things. One, we want to offer it here in Idaho, and, uh, and also that it should be optional. Uh, once we get past that, there are a lot of different ideas. Uh, want the, first method might be just to put the money out and make it available to all the school districts through literacy funds. And that has some advantages, the local flexibility. There are different situations in every school district across the state. There are also folks who've been interested in and worked on it for some time to just go into the, the school formula and show when we show how many classroom hours for each grade of school, add that in and put the, the hours in. Say there, there we would have 800 hours of, of kindergarten happening still at an optional level, uh, op uh, voluntary for parents to be able to participate in. 
And then the, the latest proposal we're hearing is um, something in response to the idea of, of the literacy funding. That literacy funding goes out uh, typically to, uh, based on performance, and the, the lower the performance of a, a district and the more funding they receive to try and bring them up, on, up to par. Uh, the proposal I'm hearing right now that I've not read yet is a, a combination of um, progress that being made, and so you're rewarding for progress and then also looking at headcount, which is more in line with our normal st student funding formula in the schools. And when you say voluntary, you mean for the parents and families, not for the school districts? Yes, that's correct. When I say voluntary, that, that parents can opt into the program and, and participate in either half-day kindergarten or full-day kindergarten. Now, there are competing proposals, I know. Can you give us some insight into what the leading proposal right now might be? I don't know if, uh, what's really leading. Uh, we're going to have a conversation uh, this coming week in Senate Education, uh, then we'll see what comes of that, and uh, what the different ideas are. Representative Boyle, a lot of these uh, conversations are starting on the Senate side. How involved has the House been? Well, individuals have been involved. I've been involved in this for quite a while. John probably has as well. Um, you know, we've certainly hear some of what takes place in the Senate, but uh, you know, on the House side, we are waiting to see what finally comes across from the Senate. Um, Representative Boyles uh, had a bill last year, um, so we know that there is interest obviously on both sides, and it's something that is uh, popular among people in Idaho. So at the end of the day, it's going to be what can we get across the finish line? But is this the year that you're going to get something across the finish line? I hope so. <laughs> I know a lot of people in my district would like to see that happen. Um, uh, in Boise, uh, the Boise schools are going to be offering full day um, regardless of what the legislature does, but, uh, but I'm sure that my constituents would like to see some of that state funding to, to support that. I wanted to ask your thoughts, Representative Boyle, on the governor's proposal to give out early literacy funding to the different school districts. You know better than anyone that school districts are so different across the state. What are your thoughts on that flexibility, or should it be uniform statewide kindergarten for every district? Well, every district is different, as you said. I like the idea of an option. If districts want to go for full time, they can. If they don't feel they can or don't want to, they don't have to. I don't think we should force that on anyone. Conversations about full-day kindergarten, do they include the Supreme Court challenge to Idaho's public school system and the idea of, um, or, or the, the constitutional mandate that the state needs to provide uniform public education across the state? As, as Representative McCrosty mentioned, other school districts are offering this, but not everybody is. And different school districts are, are funding them through various different ways. Some are, uh, are using supplemental levies, um, you know, finding areas in their budgets, receiving grants. Um, there are very dis different ways, um, you know, in terms of, uh, of constitutionality and the requirement for a uniform system of public schools. Uh, I think that for the legislature to do something about that is an appropriate path, but I can't really speak to any uh, pending lawsuits. You know, on, on the Senate side, is that a conversation that comes up? I haven't heard that topic really at, in this kindergarten conversation. What I do know is, I, I, one, I think this is the year 
we have a, a governor's recommended budget that includes the funding for it. And so I think whatever shape it may take, whether a policy bill comes or not, I, I believe we'll see from the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee and hopefully going through both bodies of the legislature, the funding. And, and right now, as is proposed, it goes out $47 million of new funding in, in literacy. It's, it's one piece of this investment we're making in education this year that totals to about $300 million. About half of that $300 million is, is one time this year. The, uh, moving the paying earlier on the career ladder or, or basically moving up a year on the career ladder. Uh, bonuses for teachers, classified staff and administrators, uh, $36 million for that. Uh, we're just really putting an emphasis on education in Idaho. I think it's great we're making some progress. The other big piece of that $300 million, of course, is the teacher health care component, which is passed and signed into law. That's $105 million of ongoing money, along with $75 million that's required to, for districts to move into the, the program. So. And since you brought up public education funding, uh, those bills will be introduced in the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee in the next week. Can you give us a preview? Well, I, I, that's a big piece of it, the K-12 budget. We've just been working on that. that uh, we sit as 20 members, 10 House members and 10 Senate members in the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee, but we oftentimes work outside of that without a quorum in small groups, and, and that's the process we've been going through. Uh, when we get done here, I'll go back and work on that some more this afternoon. And you uh, worked on the higher education budgets this past week as well. Uh, what, what are the highlights from those higher ed budgets? The, I think the real highlight from the higher edu education budget is that $643 million going into the higher education system. There was a little bit of controversy around it, just some different ideas of the funding mechanisms. Uh, the prevailing motion was to utilize some higher education stabilization funding at Boise, the purpose being to avoid a tuition increase, tuition and fees. So, uh, supportive of that, but uh, I wasn't supportive originally of, of using stabilization funds when we have such a strong, when we're performing so strong as a state in, in revenue. And for people who aren't familiar with budget setting, those stabilization funds are, are basically the rainy day accounts that's if a, our yes, economy isn't doing as well. And it's, yes, exactly. It, we used rainy day funds in that budget, $4 million out of 643, but we did use rainy day funds when I think the sun's shining pretty bright right now. <laughs> no, I, I, we can't talk about higher education budgets without talking about the fights that we've seen, in, particularly in the House, over the last several years. Are we going to see repeats of those debates again on the House floor when those budgets come up this year, Representative Boyle? Very possible, if things have not changed at all. And when you talk about things not changing? Um, we haven't seen that BSU has changed anything. And you're talking about social justice programs, mm -hmm. and, and Representative McCrosty, I'd love to get your response to that. So, uh, you know, I guess part of what I would say is, uh, I uh, like literally before uh, we came with you uh, this afternoon, uh, Representative Ehart and I passed a campus free speech bill. Um, through that process, we involved a number of different stakeholders, including all the universities, and uh, Boise State was a major contributor to that um, and ensuring that students on campus have uh, their constitutional free speech rights protected um, as enshrined in the U.S. Constitution and the Idaho Constitution. Um, I think BSU has been a fair player in these conversations. Um, so I would hope that uh, that there would be some goodwill at 
at uh, minimum for their involvement in this process yeah. with us. Does, does that sway your vote at all, knowing that BSU has come to the table and has tried to work with lawmakers to address those concerns? Well, coming to the table and performing are two different things. So, so take we'll that. see. <laughs> we'll see. You know, the, the conversation about what people are, what students are being taught and what they're exposed to in the real world also came up in the uh, testimony over content standards in public schools this week. Can you give us a rundown of what the conversation was about in the first place for people who weren't familiar? So uh, this is a conversation uh, on this con these content standards that we've had for six or seven years. And uh, Part of it goes back to concerns surrounding uh, the idea of common core or uh, that this is uh, something that is so universal um, that we're trying to uh, push ideas that come from the federal government or, or something to that effect. Um, there are concerns around common core to say the least. Um, but the idea is to make sure that whether you're getting your education in Idaho or Washington or Florida, that you have that similar baseline, right? Exactly, that there is a similar baseline that students can draw from if they end up moving from Idaho to Oregon to Washington or wherever they happen to be. Um, in Idaho, we, uh, we have not had uh, common core um, with an argument being, well, a lot of what you have is looks like common core. So um, as we have had those discussions over year after year after year after year after year after year after year, after year um, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, you know, we have uh, honed and refined and brought work groups together and reached out to stakeholders. Uh, personally, I feel like the bill, uh, the couple of bills that we have passed, um, will solidify the content standards so that our teachers can uh, and our school districts can establish uh, the curriculum that they need in order to provide instruction um, rather than having this in the seven-year flux. Were the changes really that dramatic that, that were proposed this week? I think some of them were. Um, for a couple of years, there have been teachers, um, former teachers, parents that have met, just like John said. They have done a really good job to come up with different ideas of what they'd like to see, especially in math. Would you agree? I think that, that what, what um, the work groups, especially in the last couple of years, that the standards that they have finalized, um, I mean, I would have accepted one from maybe like three years ago, um, but, uh, I have agreed to go through the process, and I think what we have is a, um, it's an important line in the sand that from here we can go forward and everybody has a set of standards that they can rely on instead of being in a continual state of flux. You know, Senator, so much of this conversation has happened on the House side. Is the Senate going to concur with these proposed changes? I think as long as they're reasonable, then everyone will be ready to get on board with the idea of content standards, uh, which we have and we want to want to have in place. And so we, we need to put get those approved and then move on down the road. Hopefully we've taken out some of the, the flashpoints in them that caused people consternation. What were those flashpoints? 
it typically revolves around the wording that uh, climate change, uh, and so uh, some that's just that's a, a national discussion, and some people believe that we are affecting the earth, and others don't. Um, I, one of the things that was brought up while we were discussing this in committee yesterday was whether we call it climate variability or climate change. And at the end of the day, I feel like what really matters uh, isn't the word that you attach to it. It is those standards uh, and the information that our young people need to be taught on whatever name that you attach to this issue. A lot of the problem in the House committee not this year, but in the previous time, the things that we saw were teaching that anything that man touched was bad, mining, logging, irrigation. You know, it was very one-sided, and that's why a lot of the House members got all fuzzed up over it. And in fairness, I think it's fair to say that um, we do want our young people to think for themselves, mm -hmm. and that um, we don't want teachers to impose viewpoints, and we don't want standards to, Im to impose a viewpoint more than anything. Um, and so to, to provide a standard that is neutral with regard to its um, content, <laughs> um, and to be able to, to have our students learn that, I think is, uh, it's been a good lesson. Um, and again, I hope it's something that we can draw a line in the sand and go forward with. Does that neutrality still acknowledge, though, that you know, the vast majority of scientists still say that you know, whether you call it climate variability or climate change, that humans have an impact on long-term climate? I, my read of the standards uh, still acknowledges um, uh, the man-made aspect as well as what man can do about it. Which isn't much. <laughs> For our full conversation, including a rundown of a dyslexia education bill sponsored by Representative Boyle, visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Idaho Reports. And for more of our coverage, check out Idaho Reports online at idahoptv.org slash Idaho Reports. While you're there, make sure you check out this week's Idaho Reports podcast. This week, Governor Brad Little answers questions from the Idaho Press Club about the ongoing legislative session. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.